The Theonauts, episode 111. The one where Jesus is a friend of mine. The Theonauts podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you... Oh, I didn't even think of something. All you Theo... Sinners. Regenerates. Saved by grace. (laughs) All all you... All you knotheads. All you are you all you perfect sinners out there. Yes. How are you doing? Good. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. <laughs> Together we are the, the Theonauts. All right. You, you can tell it's been like a couple of weeks. Since I know. We've like, let's get back in our swing, dude. Yeah, we're not in the groove. We, we just got to like, shift it out of neutral into drive. Ah. <clears throat> Man, we're like we're so, like in low right now. Why why are we dragging? What what's going uh, on? Man, I don't know. Everything's going on, and I can't <coughs> seem to find a break. It's always <laughs> my fault. But uh, you know, it's 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 been one thing after another. We, I kept trying to do it this week. Last week, I don't remember. Oh, you were in Vegas at the beginning of the week, yeah, and then it just fell through. Like we just didn't even talk. Yeah. So, which that was crazy. Yeah. That whole. Um, yeah, I was out there for a programming um, conference, right? And uh, we stayed at the Mandalay Bay, and it's just like the whole place is just—it's—it's it's over the top, insane. Yeah, I mean, it's just like ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> and there is there is absolutely nothing there yeah. that I desire. Nothing wholesome. Well, there's nothing that that like attracts me or even tempts me. Right, it's like. Okay, this is. I mean, it's big and it's bright <laughs> and it's noisy. Did you ride the New York, New York? What is that? That's a roller coaster. Oh no, that was fun. I, we never left the the Mandalay confines Bay. of. Uh, well, we we went to the Luxor, which is right next door. That's a cool looking. But you never building. even leave the. I never oh, even went outside. Yeah, it's like you're in a mall and you go from oh, Burlington Coat Factory to Sears. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> so we went from Mandalay Bay to Luxor, but um, that was as far as we went. It, wow. It was, uh, but yeah, it's just junk everywhere. The place where we stayed actually had an ocean front. Like, there's no ocean in, in this part of the, uh, well, in the Oh, Nevada, yeah, it's period. Nevada, yeah. So, and and there's this huge pool with a weight that has this huge generated wave that yeah. happens. And it crashes on the shore and uh, imported sand. Like beach sand. <laughs> this is ridiculous. That's totally ridiculous. It's yeah. hilarious. So, uh, yeah, but I've been there like a couple times, and every time it's just, I just, I want to go. I'm done with that. You know, the only cool part was riding the <laughs> Space Needle. That was nuts. Oh, yeah? But, yeah. I went on, you know the Space Needle? I thought that was in Seattle. Well, Vegas has a mock Space Needle, which is just like it. Okay. It's a little bit taller than the one in Seattle. But what's funny is they have rides on the top of that thing. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen that. And there's one that actually goes on the needle, and it's like the Superman at Six Flags. <laughs> it's like this thing, you sit in it, strap in, and it shoots you straight up the needle. Yeah. And I, I hate the Superman to begin with, but I got talked into going up on top of this stupid... <laughs> face needle and shooting <laughs> so it felt like i was like going into orbit it was oh, so man. creepy and it was the most yeah i'd probably have a heart attack now but i did it when i was 20 so i was yeah. okay but right. yeah i would literally have a heart attack now doing it <laughs> just thinking about it makes me cringe but yeah well, I've been i'm there, so. i'm glad to be back i'm I, glad you are back in I just, old texas yeah i did not like it, did not like it but uh, well uh speaking of the sin city you want to talk about our redeemer yeah oh before we do, though, okay, um, I'm just going to give a, a quick uh, teaser. No spoilers, but there are some cool things coming in the GCT network. Yes, there are. Yes. So uh, we've got this new show that, that uh, Michael and Brendan are, are working on, and uh, I've got, I got to do the artwork for it, and I'm just stoked. Like, it is cool. It, 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 they, they did a great job coming up with a concept. I'll just leave it at that. Well, yeah, I've seen the artwork, and it's pretty it's pretty legit. <laughs> so I can't wait to see, you know, can't wait to hear the show either. So, yeah. All right. All right. So let's roll part two. Okay. Okay, so if you remember last time we met, we're doing a four-part series on basically salvation. Yes. Right? And uh, so the, oh, the... The gospel message, The right? gospel message, so the, the title is Good News or, you know, yeah, Good News, the gospel, which is what the gospel yeah. means. Jesus and, uh, is a friend of mine. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, we talked last week, and uh, we're actually doing these sermons at The Way right now, and so yeah. we figured we'd bring them into the podcast for those of you who aren't going to The Way so that you can get a little <laughs> bit more of a taste of, of what we're preaching. And uh, David and I are splitting up these sermons, and I got the first two, which, of course, the first week, last week, we talked about bad news. What was yeah. What is the bad news? Because mm-hmm. you have to know what the you bad suck. news is before the good news. And yeah. yeah, the bad news was basically we all suck. You yeah. suck, I suck, everything sucks. <laughs> uh, pretty much we're all covered in filth. The whole idea of original sin we, we discussed last week. Mm-hmm. And actually we're walking through Romans, believe it or not, yeah. a secret. And um, we, we hit basically Romans 1 through 3. Last week, um, yeah. which uh, just uh, just a quick recap, um, the the message here is original sin. Yeah. The fact is that we're stillborn; we're born into sin, and so we need uh, to understand that uh, before we go yeah. on like into the good news. Romans one is telling you that hey, those those Gentiles out there, all those pagan, they're all like on their way to hell. Because they don't do the right things, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then chapter 2 says, oh, by the way, you're kind of lost too, even though you've got God and you've got religion. So, And then chapter 3 says, by the way, ain't nobody got it. Everybody's messed up. Right. No one see, no even no one even seeks God. I, I I always thought that was an interesting way that There's he... There's no one that seeks God. Yeah, so it's like you're... Well, and the the picture <clears throat> is, the idea is you're born dead. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is 
uh, something that's that's really important. So, uh, in order to start this out, I always use I use this analogy. Uh, what's in a name, right? Shakespeare asked the famous question. Well, actually, Juliet asked the famous question. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. What's in a name? And it turns out there's a lot in a name, right? Whenever you think of good people in your society, maybe you live in a small town, you can think of some last names, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also think of some bad last names to be born with a stigma um and i uh my <laughs> whenever you go to uh, a small town in kansas and you say the name grogan uh i have cousins that are the grogan <laughs> brothers in in the small town and as soon as you say that name people know instinctively oh. that type of it's like the dukes of hazard right yeah. Them duke boys are at it again yeah it's that that whole mentality and so it's nothing that you've really done it's something that you're born into yeah like it's just it naturally is what you're born into and so i really wanted to start us off with this whole idea of being having imputed sin upon us, what Mm -hmm. that means to have imputed sin. So Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, we're going to look at that first off. All right, I'm going to read this from the NET. Okay. So then, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all people because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world, but there is no accounting for sin when there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who did not sin in the same way that Adam, who is the type of the com- of the coming one, transgressed. Okay, so I wanted to stress this this point. What he's talking about is sin entered the world when Adam sinned. Right. That was the beginning point. Okay, and so your sin is is not the problem. So much as it's a symptom of the deeper problem, the fact that you were born with this sin nature. Mm -hmm. It's like you were born with a bad name. You had a name or this sin nature imputed upon you. And when I mean imputed, it was simply placed upon you. Mm-hmm. Right, and there was there was no way out of it. You were born with it. Uh, it was because of Adam's sin that we have the sin nature. Yeah. So our sin, people are so concerned and focused about their sin, and they should be. It's a bad thing. It's an affront to God. But what it is is that it's actually a symptom of of the disease. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you know you you have cancer, yeah. Yeah. and you have symptoms of that that cancer. And that's the idea. Our sin is a symptom of, of the deeper problem. Adam's passed on sin, right? So it's like it's in our genes, okay? Um, so whenever, like, I, I call somebody on the phone who knows my father, sometimes they'll get me confused with my dad. And the reason is, is because I sound like him. Yeah. Like, I, I just naturally sound like him from having that passed on, right? Some of that's nature more than nurture, or some of that's nurture more than nature, but a lot of it is just, it's in my DNA. Right. And we have, in our DNA, the sin nature. The reality is, is we're born into the sin. Well, and you, you think about this whole, um, this whole concept of what's in a name. Well, don't we call ourselves man? Aren't we man? Yes. Well, the word, the, the Hebrew word for man is... Adam. Adam. Yeah. And and so, yes, we carry that a lot with us from the time we're born. Right. We're Adams. Yes. So um, you notice there in, in Romans 5 that uh, it called Adam a type. Yes. Right? Of the one who... 
who is coming. Of the one who is coming. So <clears throat> what Paul is about to do here is he's about to set up two different patterns or two different types. The word type in, in Greek, typos, means a pattern, mm-hmm. okay? So like a plaid is a type, right? And stripes are a type, okay? So there's two different types. There's the Adam type, and then there's the one that's coming, and my sh- wife tells me you don't wear those two together. No, you, you don't wear those two together. That's right. It'd be a, a big faux pas, right? You just don't do it. Um, Although I don't see the problem. <laughs> well, David, uh, I can understand that. I've seen your uh, your dressing, and that's pretty interesting. Anyways, but uh, so there's these two types. There's the Adam type, and Adam was a shadow of the type to come. Yeah. Okay? So uh, basically what... Paul is about to do is he's he's going to juxtaposition these two different types, right? He, uh, and so look at verses 15 through 21, and this is the two different types compared with each other. Okay, beginning in verse 15, it says, But the gracious gift is not like the transgression. For if the many died through the transgression of one man, how much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, multiply to many? And the gift is not like the one who sinned, for judgment resulting from the one transgression led to condemnation, but the gracious gift from the many failures led to justification. <clears throat> for if, by the transgression of the one man, death reigned through the one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? Consequently, Just as condemnation for all people came through one transgression, so too through the one righteous act came righteousness leading to life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. Now the law came in so that the transgression may increase, but where sin increased, grace multiplied all the more. So that, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so basically, uh, Paul goes off on a rant, and he compares these two, and it's almost like he's repeating himself over and over and over again. Right. You notice that? Uh, <clears throat> actually, six times... He repeats himself and he compares these two types. Yeah, he talks about Adam's. He talks act, about the sin, right? And he talks about the disobedience and the obedience. That's and, right. Yeah. So he compares Adam's Adam's work, which was sin, mm-hmm. and he compares Jesus' work, which was obedience to righteousness. He compares Adam's work, which was condemnation and death, and he compares Jesus's work, which was life. Right, yeah. and forgiveness and grace. He compares Adam's work, uh, which which is uh, complete lawlessness, and he compares Jesus's work with which is complete righteousness. Mm-hmm. Okay, and these two things he's just a positioning over and over again. And what he's saying is, you were this type, but now you are this other type. You were the type of Adam, which was following after Adam's pattern. Right. You are a sinner. You are uh, you are doomed to die. You are doomed in judgment. You had imputed upon you sin and death. Yeah. But 
now you've been changed. You're different. You're a different type. You're going to follow after the pattern of Jesus. And what is Jesus's pattern? Well, number one, Jesus's pattern, and you can and you can look through these, is imputed righteousness. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be righteous? It means to be perfect. Yeah, that's right. actually what righteousness means. To be right means. with God, yes. which means perfect. Perfection. Because he expects that and nothing less. There's nothing else uh, that we can be except The smallest for. sin makes us completely unapproachable to God. That's right. And so that, that whole idea of righteousness, same thing with holiness, yeah, right? Even if it's a fire, I mean, a coal from our campfire. You know, if you look at the whole Nate Abbott and Bible, yes. before, that made them unclean. That, that one little item, which was not sanctified, made them unclean. Right. So through Christ, be, just like through Adam we were imputed sin, mm-hmm. through Christ we are given, imputed, or placed upon this righteousness. So what that means is a huge thing. This is good news. Yeah. This is the best news. And the reason this is good news is because that means when God looks upon us, he no longer sees the Adam type, but he sees perfection. Yeah. We are positionally perfect before God. And a lot of people miss this. A lot of people lose this, and it, it is something that um, we get frustrated because the fact is, are we perfect? Of course not. No, we sin all the time. Yeah. But it means that when God looks upon us, and the only illustration I can give, and I wish I had better illustrations, is like, imagine you had an umbrella and you write Jesus on it, right? Yeah. And you put that umbrella up and it, you know, it covers you. And when God looks down on you, he doesn't see you, he sees his son. He sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he sees total, absolute perfection. (laughs) Have you seen the little, uh, the YouTube video, it's been around for a long time, of the uh, the good meter it, it's like it's like a, a thing about the day of judgment. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you step on the scale and the little arrow goes up to uh, bad, you know, horrible, bad, good, <laughs> or good enough. Yeah, <laughs> good and great, you know. And it has to be in the great area to enter heaven. Right. And everyone's stepping on the scale and it's like, yeah, you know, it's just falling down. And they're right. like, well, wait a minute. I'm a good guy. I did this. And they're pulling out their folder and they're looking at it. And then the one guy gets up there and uh, he hands the folder to the dude. This and is the, gigantic. Yeah. And the dude's going through it like, wow, <laughs> like this is messed up, dude. Yeah. And then uh, he goes, oh, but wait a minute. He, he knows Jesus. And so he gets off the scale and Jesus comes and gets on it. That's and right. And he goes, bing, all the way to the top. Yes, and that's exactly what this imputed righteousness means. Jesus is our righteousness. Mm-hmm. Our righteousness isn't in us. Right. It's in Jesus. And that's that's great news because that means that, um, that, means that he became perfect for our behalf. Yeah. It's also imputed grace upon grace, which is something that's absolutely amazing, which means that, and, and this is what this type is. God looks upon us with grace. So every time we we screw up, and it might be a ton for you. I imagine it is a ton for you. <laughs> I'm joking. Every time we screw up, we get grace. And, I, you know, uh, I had an amazing father. And sometimes, I mean, I probably wouldn't be alive today uh, <laughs> if he hadn't given me grace on so many occasions. Mm-hmm. But, you Ditto. know, he was just, he was good. Yeah. And, you know, I... I'd get I'd get whoopings, you know. He'd tan my hide. Yeah, I got beat to death for some reason, but <laughs> you know, he never killed me. 
And I don't know, maybe you've experienced grace when a teacher has pardoned a paper or maybe you've experienced grace, um, you know, when you've cleaned your room or not supposed to, or you, you didn't clean your room and you were supposed to and your parents give you grace or maybe in your, you know, your family relationship somehow. But the cool thing about God is his grace never runs out. Mm. With us, our we're imperfect people, so our grace always it meets an yeah. endpoint. Yeah, it always does. Having grace on people is a hard. <laughs> it's a very difficult thing, right. and it becomes more and more difficult. But God continually gives us grace. It's mm-hmm. grace upon grace, and that's what those that's what those those verses are saying. That we receive grace, imputed grace, and it's not on our behalf. Right. It's on Christ's behalf. Again, this whole word imputed, okay, mm-hmm. which means to, to be given to, okay? And then imputed eternal life, which, I mean, that's good news to yeah. begin with. Whereas Adam imputed death upon us, in this new type with Christ, we have eternal life. Uh, this is amazing news, right? Yeah. This is awesome news. But there's one thing I wanted to focus on more than anything else, and it's the one thing that I think a lot of people get uh, miss how many times it says free gift? Yeah, there. Right. If you notice, if you go back, which is through, redundant in and of itself. Yes, he says yeah. free gift over and over and over again. And why is he saying that free gift? Well, look at Romans chapter four, and uh, I'm gonna pull up because I I forgot exactly what verses. So give me just one second, but it's like in the middle of it. Romans chapter four. Um, and this is the whole Abraham justified by faith yeah. uh, right. chapter. Um, okay, verse, start with verse 11. Verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, talking about Abraham, mm-hmm. as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised so that he would become the father of of all those who believed but have never been circumcised, that they too could have righteousness credited to them. And he was also the father of the circumcised, who are not only circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham possessed when he was still uncircumcised. Okay, so I'm going to read this in a different version, but that basically says the same thing. I just, I like this. This is the nilt. This is okay. the, this is breaking that down because okay. it's a little muddy there. It says circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of people like to decide when the salvation thing comes. Yeah. When are when are we when is our faith counted as or when is when it when are we imputed with this righteousness? When are we imputed with this grace? When are we imputed with this salvation, this eternal life? Yeah. And a lot of people like to go, oh well, it's when you say this prayer. When you bow your head and close your close your eyes and repeat the sinner's prayer. And then there's a whole another section of group of people that like to go, Oh yeah, well it's when when you get baptized. Right. That's that's when when salvation happens. And it's not a which came first, the chicken or the egg thing. This is the answer right here. Mm -hmm. The reality is salvation comes when we accept the free gift through faith. Mm -hmm. Faith is the answer. And 
it's not anything that we do. Yeah, and, all these the, these other things are signs and seals. Yes, and, and we'll get to this more whenever we talk about um, the our fourth, <laughs> right? Our fourth one in the series because we're going to talk about baptism more. But um, but yeah, there's this whole sign and seal thing going on here, and I, I believe that it actually can take place at all kinds of different places in a person's life. Some person might think that they've you know, accepted Christ, but really haven't. I mean, because they got caught up in a swell of emotion during and during an altar call or whatever. Right. And it might actually happen in at home, in yeah. bed or whatever. I mean, there's just all kinds of different things that right. And it, that and I be going on. And and it's not our job to know when the moment is. Yeah. It's like me asking, when did Kevin become my son? Yeah. Was it at conception? Was it at birth? Was it whenever we planned to have the baby? Whenever I mean, where does it happen? And it even gets any, even muddier when you talk about adopted sons. Right. Absolutely. And I, you know, and I think that this this question, this conundrum, this thing that actually a lot of our churches have, uh, you know, as a focal point, uh, it it's a sign of that sin nature yeah. of pride. And the reason I say that is because we're so selfish. We're so focused on our works. Mm-hmm. We think that's something we have to do. If you look up in verse 4... And how chapter, I was born and raised is the right way, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, if you look up in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned. And that makes total sense. When I go to work, uh, after I put in my two weeks, mm-hmm. and I go and I get my paycheck... I, I don't it's go not a free gift. Yeah, I don't go in my in my boss goes, Here, Jeremiah, I got you a little something and gives me this and he says, Oh, this is just for you. It's a free gift. It you know, I I just planned and I and I gave it to you. No, that's not what happens. They go and they look at my hours and see how much I worked and they divvy up my paycheck. They owe it to you. Yeah, according to that, they owe it to me. It's something that I've earned. It's all about me. It's something mm-hmm. that I've worked hard for and something that I've gotten. And th- that's what Paul says here. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, this is verse 5, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Right. So the the thing that that people um, get into these arguments about grace and works, and it's like, it's a total misunderstanding of what grace even means, because they are completely, as Paul just said, completely antithetical to one, one to another. It's no longer grace. Right. If works had anything to do with it. That's exactly so, right. Because at that point, it's owed. Yeah. It's it, the minute that any type of work was in, was required to achieve it, well, then all of a sudden, it's owed to you. Exactly. And God doesn't owe you jack. That's right. And and, and, and so that's what, what the whole... Uh, point about, you know, is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You, yeah, this is... And this is the better picture. Instead of thinking, uh, I go and I work and then I get a paycheck at the end of the week, think, I am a beggar sitting on the side of the road mm-hmm. who can't do anything, has no legs. Yeah. Right? 
and a man comes along, picks me up, takes me into his house, says, you're going to be my son from now on. Anything that you need, I am taking care of it. Feeds you every day, takes, makes sure every one of your needs is met, mm-hmm. clothes you, and, and loves you until your dying day. That, that's actually the picture. Yeah, that's grace. And, and is there anything that you've done to earn that? Nothing. Nothing. You were a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. And that's why over and over over again in the New Testament, um, last week I talked about the uh, the blind man in Romans chapter 9, right? Mm-hmm. And what's happening is, is he's he's blind from birth. And I love the disciples walk by and they're like, who sinned? You know, and, and Jesus says, it's not. Yeah. How did he earn this? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the point is, he was born that way so that God may give get glory. But, right? but if you think about it, it's this is this is actually as you said part of our sin nature it's part of our human nature oh, yeah. our human nature wants there to be risk and reward and that sort of thing so it's in everything you don't pass your school if you don't work, work. you don't start on the football team if you don't if work. you don't Work. The old adage, nothing is for free. Right. In this it's every society. that's our entire existence here on this earth. That's right. It's you must Earn. work hard to get ahead. And that's what th- that is drilled yeah. into us. So that's why Martin Luther said in his commentary on Galatians, he said, Grace is so unnatural that someone in every generation is gonna have to stand up and defend it because people will always be drawn <laughs> Amen to that. back. To this concept that I have to earn this. Yes. And that's why, you know, you have the Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees at the end, they ask Jesus, are we blind? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus says, well, I've come to heal the blind and to make, make the seeing blind. And what he means by that is you who think that you're earning yeah. your grace, you're going to miss the boat. Mm-hmm. You're totally going to miss it. Verse 9, this uh, in, in chapter 4, now... Is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. So the amazing news, the good news, is that you can't do anything. But Jesus did it all for you. Mm-hmm. The reality is, there's nothing you can do. And we said this last week. It's crazy that people get the concept of of total depravity, or they'll get the concept of uh, this in nature, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's nothing they can do to save them. But then they think that they can work to get their salvation. Right. Because it's a total contradiction. The reality is, there's nothing that we can do. We simply trust through faith. And Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The great news is that we were an Adam type, and God miraculously, through the work of Jesus Christ, made yeah. us the Jesus type. It's, it's the very point of the entire book of Galatians. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're going through Romans, and, and that's, you know, it's, it's part of, of the main crux there too. But the entire book of Galatians oh, yeah. is about getting this, this concept wrong. Yeah. Because that's what they were doing. They were getting it wrong. And that's what he had to step in. And, and man, he has some strong, Ooh. harsh words to say to them. Well, it, it, there's 
I mean, there's no doubt that he needed to say those words because this is the crux of the good news. Yeah. This is the gospel, that Jesus became righteous on our behalf so that we, through simple faith, can be made righteous. And the minute you start putting yoke on people, the minute you start putting deeds on people to say, you're not saved unless you're doing this, or you're not saved unless you quit doing that. Yeah. The minute you start doing that, you negate the goodness of the purity of the simplicity of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't works. Right. We'll get and to we'll, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll cover all that. <laughs> right. But I, I wanted to end <clears throat> this this whole thing. Romans 5, uh, verse 6 through 11. I'm going to read it again in the New Living just because okay. the New Living is so perfect for all this. <clears throat> this is the gospel, plain and simple, unadulterated at all, 100% pure. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who was especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, Hmm. we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Amen. I mean, that, that sums it up. Yes. It's so beautiful, and we simply have to have faith in Jesus. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. That's good news, man. <laughs> it is. Woo. All right. So uh, off my soapbox, <laughs> you want to do some news? Yeah, let's do some news. All right. And now the news. A new Barna study has come out, and it has found that most adult Americans, 66%, believe that people can receive supernatural healing from God. Really? Yeah, that's so anti what I was thinking. That's crazy. Um, of that 66%, 33% strongly agree and 33% somewhat agree that it's possible to be healed by God. The remaining 34% features 19% who strongly disagree and 15% who somewhat disagree. So really there's only 33% that's really got faith in it. That's right. The other 33% are just going, mm, I'd take it. Yeah. Well, it's exactly <laughs> true. That's a, it goes along with that I whole... Ain't, I ain't going to put it past you. Yeah. <laughs> it goes on with that whole idea that there's no uh, atheist in foxholes, right? <laughs> right, right. Oh, I could really use some healing yeah. right well, now, it, God. It benefits me none whatsoever to say that God can't do it. So I'll leave the door open. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Along the demographic lines, the splits are a bit more nuanced. Millennials have the highest share of people who strongly disagree with the idea of supernatural healing, while elders are obviously on the opposite side of the spectrum with only 13% strongly disagreeing with the possibility. Mm. (laughs) So, uh, of course, elderly people are going to believe that they can get healing. Yeah, they've... Been around the block a time or two. That's right. <laughs> time or three. Um, uh, a previously unfinished love story by J.R. Tolkien. Yes. Will be published next I year. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, so this will fit right in with the GCT Network. That's right. It'll be really exci- uh, exciting for uh, 
for our boys Brendan and Michael, right? Yeah. The Lord of the Rings book trilogy represents, by any measure, some of the most popular books in the history of English lit, and that's not even including the movie trilogy, one of the films that won most Oscar awards of all time. HarperCollins will publish uh, Beren and Luthien sometime in 2017. Uh, J.R. Tolkien's Legend of the Mortal Man Beren and the Immortal Elf Luthien is to be published next year. So that's that's the idea. Um, that's so cool. I can't <laughs> I can't wait. It'll be uh, pretty interesting. A bunch of uh, Tolkien fanatics going on it. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. rejects a Liberty University newspaper editorial criticizing Trump. Okay. Shocking. A journalist at Liberty University's newspaper was left confused after his editors told him that an op-ed he wrote uh, that was critical of Donald Trump wouldn't run. Uh, LU president Jerry Falwell told the paper's editors that the story criticizing Trump couldn't run. Joel Schmeg, who writes a weekly column for Liberty Champion, uh, Liberty University student newspaper, told the Daily Beast he decided to express his thoughts on Trump's locker room talk. Excuse for the leaked tapes to show him talking casual that show him talking casually about sexual assault towards women. Schmeg wrote in the piece, "I have never in my life heard guys casually talk about preying on women in a sexual manner." Above having an axe, having to axe the piece, the editors only had an email explaining that already they already had a Trump piece and wouldn't run the two items about Trump in the same issue. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think that's kind of that's kind of interesting that people will say like, oh, "I've never heard guys do." Okay, now I'm not defending what he said because yeah. it was ple- it was you know pretty detestable. But to say you've never heard guys talk like that, have you ever been in a locker room? Oh, seriously. have you ever been on a football team or a baseball team? Or I mean, come on, right? I mean, especially young guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. It's a, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's a part of the sin nature. Our fallen nature. <laughs> right. But uh, on on the other side, I just... <sighs> it's definitely not presidential. No, it's not. <laughs> definitely not. You know, I, this I is want, such a messed up race, It man. is, man. I want... So bad. I want to be able to tell my fifth and sixth graders that... Or have a president that my fifth and sixth graders can write an essay on, you know, and be proud of, but it's never going to happen. It's so frustrating. I just, I don't know what to do. (laughs) All right. uh, I got some Pope news. Oh, awesome. Brothers and sisters, come together. Hallelujah. The Pope is here. Vatican City, October 14th, 2016. Pope Francis has decided to send an initial contribution of $100,000 to Haiti to help with emergency recovery in the wake of Hurricane Matthew, the Vatican announced Friday. Donated through the Pontifical Council Corps Unum, the money will be used to support flood victims and is intended as a first and immediate concrete expression of the feelings of paternal spiritual closeness and encouragement of the Holy Father towards the people and territories affected, an October 14th uh, communique from the Vatican read. Hurricane Matthew hit Haiti in the morning of October 4th, a Category 4 storm with winds racing 145 miles per hour. It is the most powerful 
Caribbean storm in a decade, devastating Haiti, which is still reeling from the catastrophic earthquake that crushed uh, much of the country in 2010. With more than a thousand dead and hundreds of thousands displaced, according to the BBC, Haiti was hardest hit by uh, in the southeast, with many of the towns and fishing villages killed by debris, falling trees, and swollen rivers. The Pope's contribution to the relief effort is part of an aid advocated throughout the Catholic Church immediately following the storm. Well, that's pretty cool. The, yeah. The, um, and we haven't really talked about this mm-hmm. on, on the show, but... Um, Obviously, those of you that listen to us know that our hearts in Haiti, that, you know, um, uh, I have a little organization that that makes trips down there regularly. In fact, we're going um, November the 4th, and we're going to be there for a week. We're we're going to go to Lagunov because it is one of the poor, it is the poorest area of Haiti. And it got hit really hard. And it is basically the most ignored part of Haiti as well. Right. Out, there's nobody it's that goes along by itself. And so no one's going to, no one's taking this aid over there. Almost completely unreached. Um, so we're going there. Uh, we're going to try and, and distribute uh, some food, uh, clothing, uh, do some construction work if we can, just to try and get some shelters up, bring some tents. I mean, uh, we're just going to let God lead us on the trip. We don't have a big plan. We're, sure. we're just going to head over there. But uh, but uh, I, I point a couple of things. <laughs> I'm trying to, to what get, are you saying? I'm trying to get my thoughts together. Okay. There, uh, one thing that we need to that I wanted to point out to everybody about understanding aid and assistance. And I'm not sure this, seeing how this is going to be Catholic, and it's probably going to go through uh, the, the Catholic Church. Sure. It's probably completely gonna work out well right however like for example i just heard hillary talking about how her organization gave 30 million whatever to haiti uh, well her organization look here's here's how some of this works if i go over there right now and go to merger where we usually work right. and i go to the little local store and i bag a and i buy a bag of rice it's stamped right there on the on the on the front of it American white rice. Right. This rice came from, from the, the good States. old United States of America. That's right. This is the type of aid, okay, that is that, hurting. That Hillary's uh, right. groups and, and other groups like hers do. What they do is they go in and they say, oh, okay, these people are starving. We need to buy them some food. So what they do is they go to their American buddies who own. Uh, businesses and whatnot, and they basically give the millions of dollars to them and and buy the goods from them and then takes take it over there. And and this has happened with rice so much that the the Haitian rice market they there are rice farmers that were doing very well in Haiti. Right. It's decimated. People, the farmers are, are losing their livelihoods. They're out of jobs and all this sort of thing because of the type of aid, how we do this. Right. Whenever, if you would take those millions of dollars that you're so in, that you're supposedly giving to Haiti and take it. Filter it into. And pay the farmers for their goods yeah. and buy Haitian and support their economy and then feed the poor people with that, then you're doing a world of good. Right. But as it is, it perpetuates the problem. Yeah. And so there's just a lot to charity that people don't get and they don't understand 
Uh, there's a book that, um, well, there's a, a documentary that if you've got if you've got Netflix, you should check out. It's called Poverty Incorporated, and it's about how people make money. People get rich yeah. off of impoverished people yeah. by doing this type of thing. And so, anyway, there's just better ways to do it. Right. And so we we can't really help the rice thing because it's the only rice available. Exactly. And at least whenever we go over there and we buy it from a store, the store merchants profit. Right. So there is some good there, and it's still better than bringing stuff from here. Right. Uh, but anyway, just, just I'm off my soapbox now. But <laughs> but it's just information that I think a lot of people don't understand sure, about this type that's of right. thing. We definitely do need to be pray, uh, in prayer for the nation of Haiti as they're still uh, dealing with that. Um, you know, I keep getting the, the updates from Pastor John and uh, – yeah. uh, is it John? Junior. Yeah, Junior. Junior and John. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, pray for them daily. It's unbelievable that that a hurricane could kill thousands. Yeah, that but. it's it's amazing. It's how bad it is. I mean, the earthquake thing was apparent because there was rubble in the street and all this sort of thing. Right. This is a little different because it's effect. It's wiped out crops and it's wiped out goats, yeah. which were their livelihood. Their livelihood, mm-hmm. and so you've got like. Uh, just people that are n- now sickness and illness. I mean, is everywhere. Cholera. Um, it's just a big domino effect. So, and they're going to be suffering from this for a while. Right. But anyway, well, that's everything I pretty much got today. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a quick one today. Yeah. And because uh, we have a Bible, we have study a Bible study up. that's about to happen here at the coffee <laughs> shop. <laughs> so, and we're just trying to squeeze Theonauts everything in when in. we can. Ah. Seriously, we'll so, uh, we'll try to get on a normal schedule starting yeah, next so, week. But. So hopefully, yeah, next week we'll be back with part three. We're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about the most neglected doctrine in Christianity, <laughs> and it's part of the good news for yes, crying out loud. Amen. <laughs> wow. So, all right, you know what? I don't have our scripts again. <laughs> The Great Commission Transmission <laughs> is part of something or other. Okay, well, the, the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission uh, Transmission yeah, right. Network. You can visit us at gctnetwork.com to learn more. You can donate there. You can uh, you can help us out. You can see about the other shows we have going, like our friends up in Tennessee that do Finding Christ in Cinema and the yet-to-be-announced but coming ultra-cool Tolkien-ish thing that's going to be happening over there. Yeah. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can uh, leave us an email at Podcast. No, I don't know. <laughs> what is it? I need Theonauts. My, I don't know how to do this. It's Theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Drop us a voicemail at 972-885-7270. Nailed it. And then uh, you can get us touch us on some Facebook, Twitter, yeah. uh, at Theonautical, right? And yeah, Twitter is at Theonautical. Yeah, like us on Facebook and go ahead. And we got an Instagram too. Yeah. And Patreon. We have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Theonauts. Mm-hmm. And you can donate to us there. It helps and us buy supplies and such. That will allow us to continue to do this uh, fun little show that yes. we love to do so much. So, All right. That's All right. Well, thanks for being here, Jeremiah. <laughs> Thank you, David. All right. God bless. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270.
You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com.